Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Polar Opposites, the gaming podcast where we rarely talk about video games. I'm your host, That Boy Aqua, joined by my lovely co-host, Nam's Compendium. Hello. Today, we are going to continue the trend of not talking about video games, but instead talking about some movies. But before we get into the topic of today's episode, which is ranking every Spider-Man film, we are going to every every sorry. I, I should clarify, mainstream. The live action one. You know, the, when we say Spider-Man movies, you know which ones. Yeah, the the mainstream, more recent ones. We're not going to talk about some random Joe 1970s Spider-Man movie that came out. We're talking about the Raimi trilogy, the Web duology, the Marvel trilogy, and then we got some surprises in there. And Spider-Verse. Yeah. So, yeah. before we uh, jump into that, I got to ask, Nick, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm a very busy person lately. You are. <laughs> yeah, I've got a bunch of projects I'm working on. <laughs> I received a review copy of a game like two months ago. You gonna say what game? And, yeah, like I can say it now. Like Soul Hackers 2, right? Like I got a review copy of that like a very long time ago. And the game is out already for like almost a month. The game's been out. I think actually just over a month. And I still haven't finished my video on it because if I'm being honest... I had so much to say, way more than I thought I did. Have you run into this problem, Nolan, where it's like, you think, oh, yeah, this is only going to be like 20 minutes long. Yep. And then you write it, and it's not even close to 20 minutes long. I thought when I made my Miles Morales video that ended up being an hour long, I was like, yeah, this is going to be like a quick 20 minutes, half an hour. (laughs) And then it's like, you hit like page 10 and realize you're not even talking about the story yet. And you just think, oh man, it's going to be one of these. (laughs) And then it's like, you get to the story segment and then you're looking at the notes, you're like little structured notes. It's like, oh, there's only a couple here. There's not, I doubt it's going to be that long. And then it ends up still just being half the video. Yep. And I mean, that's not a bad thing. Longer videos tend to perform better in the algorithm, uh, generally speaking. (laughs) I don't know why that is, but I wonder if I've thought about this before. I wonder if long videos because uh, people people make the jokes about like, you know, long man bad or and people always say long a long video does not mean a good video because you could you could shit out a two hour video in like a week and a half, two weeks. But chances are, if it takes that little time, it's probably not written very well. I know that's rich coming from me because I have my own uh, literacy downfalls, but I think people see the length of something and it implies depth. And I think people will click on that more. No lie. Like if you were to put in-depth analysis and the video is also an hour long, I'm like, okay, this is actually, this, this is the real deal. And I'm more likely to click on it. Because the video's length, it implies that there's a lot of substance to it. Yeah. Like a lot of supporting arguments or a lot of evidence or whatever. And because the video is long, it generates a lot of watch time. So it would get pushed even further. Like even <laughs> if it's like, let's say um, I make a 20 minute video and people watch it up to like the 10 minute mark, the 20 minute video. Yeah. But then I make an hour long one and people watch up to the 20 minute segment despite that 20 minute video factually having like a longer view duration or whatever it's not the same amount of watch time like not even close yeah it's like only half of it and that's what matters a lot more because this website wants people to continue to watch stuff they want them to keep going to more videos or whatever that's why that's why they started doing shorts yeah very short quick like hits of like entertainment that you can just cycle in and out but then having the long 
video implying depth creates a bigger issue, which is why people say long does not equal good, is because without naming any names, we have come across many channel and, and many of videos that very much seem to artificially stretch the video out, talking about like breaking down a 10 second interaction in a game for upwards of five minutes if not longer. And you know, that that's okay. Maybe you're you're into that. I watched uh, one of my favorite video essays I've ever watched is from a guy called Shay May. And he made a, uh, it was a seven and a half hour analysis of Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. And he covered every interaction, every route, literally the entire game top to bottom. And it was just well made though. It didn't feel as though it was length for the sake of length, especially when you look at his channel and you see that, you know, most of the time his uh, his videos are, are relatively short. It felt necessary and it felt like that was the purpose. But I also feel that there are some channels that will deliberately stretch out videos, uh, i.e. some uh, channels will talk extremely slow. And I actually, I got a weird comment the other day that was, uh, it, it was a compliment, but it was quite the funny one. It was on my Uncharted 2 or Uncharted 4 video where somebody said, immediately love the video when I put it on 1.5 speed and it sounded like you were talking at two. Subscribe by the end. This is such a thoughtful <laughs> and well put together video. And it's because people are used to video essays just like talking slow as shit. <laughs> it's awful. It's so bad. And... I've noticed that I'm I'm a little hyper right now. The last two episodes, I've been a little, uh, I've been subdued, been tired, and I just did like a rail of G Fuel, so I'm just crazy. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be crashing by the end of the episode. Don't worry. So what else are you working on? Uh, that's the main project right now. I still have to do the voiceover for that. Like that's the one that's like completely underway. Okay. And then other than that, I think I have everything else I want to talk about for the rest of the year already sorted out. Yeah. That makes one of us. <laughs> and hopefully, if I have the work ethic and drive... Like, right now, I have three things I'm working on for the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Including the Soul Hackers 2 video. And if things go well, I can hopefully squeeze in a fourth one. But I doubt it. So I just want to get those three major ones, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. I am... I've tried to make a plan of what I'm going to do, but I end up... I don't know if it's this weird, like... This could be a childhood habit that is carried over into my adult life but i hate being told what to do and i hate feeling like i need to do something i.e mm -hmm. the reason i haven't covered dying light 2 yet is because people keep asking for it and it, and, it, and it just i don't know why it annoys me it's a it's a weird pet peeve but i when somebody asks for a video i think no i'm gonna do what i want uh for example i've been getting requests to review dishonored for like years now and I only actually felt like doing it once people stopped asking for it. And that feels, it, it feels, it's not a petty thing. Like, it's not like I'm trying to stick it to the man or, or stick it to my viewers in any way. But it's, it's this strange, I, I desire spontaneity. And I, and I want to be able to immediately think, I want to talk about this. Because my best videos come from a place of passion and a place of hyper focus. And I can't force myself to constantly think about something I don't want to and so when i make a video i just need to immediately like what is peaking my interest right now otherwise uh, i think the video is going to be weak and, and it just yeah. won't be as fun and so i'm kind of i'm hoping i get hyper fixated on assassin's creed so i can finish off those games by the end of the year but i know myself and i know i won't and the reason i think that might happen is because people have finally stopped asking for me to review rogue 
And so now, <laughs> and so now my my de- desire to do it is like, oh yeah, maybe I could now. The cycle continues. Uh, something new for me. I got a new phone, which was pretty good. And I got I got a story, man. I already told you about this, but so I had an iPhone X for four years now. It treated me very well, but it started getting to the point where it's slow as hell. The battery was running dry like couldn't go more than three hours and so i ended up taking chargers with me everywhere i went i don't leave the house without my backpack so it's not much of an inconvenience but i i got to a point where i said you know what if i'm say i'm on the train which it usually takes me two and a half hours to get from home to school by taking the the bus and the train mm-hmm. and so if there were to be a complication out there and my phone dies then that's this bad news so I thought I'm going to upgrade and I don't like buying expensive stuff but when it comes to phones if I'm going to get a new phone I want the best phone I can get or, or at least like a really nice one because I want it to last so I bought the iPhone 14 Pro and I, well I'd intended to and so I went into this place this un, unidentified location that my parents recommended they're like oh we bought our phones from here you should go do it i went in i said hey guys i'm looking to buy the new uh, iphone they said yeah sure i said uh, but i don't want to do a contract you guys just sell them outright and I, I i think i was very polite about it and this guy looks at me laughs and says yo who the fuck buys phones outright these days and the whole fucking counter erupts in laughter and they all laugh this is at real me. Dude, this is exactly what I'm saying. It was such an unbelievable interaction that I think there's no way people are going to believe me when I tell them. That doesn't sound... It's it's comical. That just sounds so cartoonish. Yeah. That doesn't sound real. And that's why I didn't say a (laughs) word. I was stunned. I'm like, this is not happening, right? I I felt so... It was... I felt so belittled and disrespected, but also just in awe. Like this... it It was like this twilight zone of... Is this actually happening to me right now? And so I just turned around, walked out. Uh, I went to Bell, which, you know, regardless of the issues with Bell, uh, they were really nice to me. They also weren't selling uh, the phones outright, but it didn't matter. So I ended up just uh, financing it. And then I did the biggest down payment I could. Haggled my current phone bill down by $5. And I financed the last, because you have to do a contract at these places. And so in my contract, I'm now paying off uh, the rest of the phone in increments of $5 a month for the next two years. So my phone bill has basically not changed and I've more or less bought it outright. Cause I wasn't planning on leaving my uh, current provider anyways. I don't know, cause you know, they're fine. And I like, I don't like change. The phone's amazing by the way, love it. I find it pretty ridiculous that buying just phones, specifically Apple products, like just buying them outright, it's kind of needlessly difficult. Yeah. Like why can't I just buy the phone? Yeah, and and they do it because, you know, phone companies want you to be locked into a contract with them, and then they can fuck you around or whatever. But yeah, it is one of those weird things where it's so hard to get this new product. And you'd be, and you'd think Apple, the biggest company in the world, anticipating that their phones are going to be flying off shelves would stock more of them. But no, it doesn't happen. I bet they do have like some sort of deal where they provide these phones for like a cut oh surely they do um as far as what i'm working on right now i'm working on a video on assassin's creed chronicles and i just finished a big video on skate um that i think by the time this uh podcast episode goes out will be out and if not then congratulations you get to hear it early and yeah i love the skate games i've been having a great time replaying them and great time talking about them i I'm not excited for Skate 4, but that's a whole nother discussion I don't want to go into. Before we go into the main topic, I just want to address one final thing. Last episode, because Adam derailed the podcast immediately as it started, (laughs) 
and it was still a pleasure uh, hanging out and talking with them. We never did the, the question of the day for our lovely viewers. And so I'd like to extend the question of the day to you, Nicholas, and to the lovely viewers. And that question is, what do you think, what um, aspect of a game do you think is the most important to you? Is it the presentation, i.e. like, you know, music, graphics, uh, visuals, UI, that kind of stuff? The gameplay, which is, you know, the mechanics? Or is it the story? Self-explanatory. I think at this point, gameplay and story have become pretty synonymous with me as being, like, important. But depending on the thing in question, it's clear where one is valued more so over the other. And in that case, I will put more emphasis on the thing that is valued, right? Okay. Like, if a game, let, let's say... Um, everyone's favorite Sonic the Hedgehog comes out, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't put any focus on the story. Maybe a little bit, like not a whole lot. There's like a little bit there, but it's still more a gamey type game. I will adjust my expectations to focus on what is clearly the most important aspect of that kind of game. Yeah, but to, but put to you, does, like if you're, it's <laughs> say it's like Game Dev Tycoon, you have the three bars that you can put up. W yeah. Where are you putting those bars and which one is the highest? Uh, the highest bar for me... It would probably be story, like if I were mm. to make a game, if only because I find stories are more likely to leave a impact on people than gameplay, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And in the best case scenario, you can tie that story directly to gameplay in a way that no other medium can do and make video games way more unique in that way. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite games is on the DS. It's called The World Ends With You. And that game ties its gameplay. Tell me, tell me what you fucking actually call it, okay? Because I think it sounds stupid oh. as fuck. <laughs> I don't like to call it this often. <laughs> I only do it on a very shorthand in like a video. But the game is called "The World Ends with You," and the acronym that fans call it, they shorten it. It's called Twewy. Yeah. And it sounds really stupid, but I call it that in my video a couple times because I didn't want to keep saying the world ends with you like over and over again. Yeah. And it makes me feel like a fucking dumbass <laughs> whenever I say Twoey. Because it sounds like like a little kid who doesn't know how to speak, like, oh, Twoey. <laughs> oh, and so yeah, we'll be in a call and it's like you and Tony are talking about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, Twoey is a pretty good game. And then you're like, well, actually, Neo Twoey is, is, is just as good. And I think, oh, my God, you guys sound like five-year-olds. Sound like fucking hilarious. Geek. I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but as I was saying, that game ties its gameplay and story heavily into each other, and I think that's what part. That's part of the reason why I find it so unique and memorable. Yeah. Um, and when I say gameplay and story, I don't mean that fucking bullshit modern game thing where it's like, oh, you have to f slowly walk down this hallway while characters talk to each other. Oh, like no. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption Two does that a lot. Like half the modern Sony games are just that. The amount of times I've crashed my horse in uh, Red Dead because I'm genuinely falling asleep while playing the game is fucking insane. And, and I don't mean that as a slag against the game, but it's just that I'm a very I need oh, dude, people are going to hold this shit against me, but it's like I need constant stimulus. I cannot just walk and listen to somebody. Give me something I need something to do. E even in even in something like yeah, cutscenes obviously different, but if I'm in gameplay, don't restrict me. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm in a walking segment, let me jump. Let me jump. Let me spin around. Let me let me teabag just like randomly. Just give me something to do. Give me the feedback loop, you know? And Red Dead yeah. doesn't do that. Instead, it's, hey, push this wheel because it, it fell off your cart. Okay, now press E to lift up the cart. Okay, press E again to put the put the wheel back on. And now walk over to your horse, get the screwdriver. Walk back <laughs> down, press E to screw it in. Press E to unequip the screwdriver. 
Press E to go back to the horse. Put the screwdriver away. Press E to get back onto the carriage. Oh, wheel fell off again. Like, it's too much. I don't know. But I've also heard that Red Dead gets really good. Um, It just, it starts slow. So I'm, I'm going to stick with it, obviously. And I it's not like I'm not enjoying the game. It's just that I find it, uh, the downtime is <laughs> too down. <laughs> My answer would just be uh, gameplay and presentation. I think those are the most important to me because I, I find that that's what gets me coming back to a game. And that's not to say I don't enjoy a good story. I, I do. I I can think of plenty of games that have great stories uh, off the top of my head. You know, Spider-Man PS4 has a great story. Uh, I, I absolutely, I don't know if this counts, but Outer Wilds has an exceptional story. Uh, but I, I find that the games I return to more are the ones that have the most mechanical depth and the ones that look the best. Because I, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for, for good visuals. And I think people tend to devalue visuals a lot because they're like, oh, it's just it's just a pretty coat of paint. It doesn't mean anything. It's it's if it doesn't have good gameplay and story, then it's hollow and, and soulless. It's like, no, I, I for example, I mean, I'm talking about Chronicles right now and Chronicles graphically is not very good, but its art style is so unique that I can't help but absolutely love it. It makes those games stick out in my mind because I think of the Chronicles games, I'm like, there is no other game or not many at least that look like that compared to games that I love, like the mainline Assassin's Creed games, they're all just, you know, realism. Like that's their art style basically. You know, it just doesn't, like if you think about what what makes each Call of Duty visually distinctive from one another, aside from time period, nothing. They all just look realistic. That's fine, but yeah. That that's where that's where I stand on it. And obviously gameplay is the highest because I think, you know, game can't get anything. You can't get can't get that anywhere else. So let's move on to the to the topic of today's episode, trying to be uh, a little more swift in our transition from the introduction and leave your comments below for what your uh, answer to the question of the day is. I'd be curious to know uh, what you would pick and why. So we're going to do this in chronological order. We have a little list here. So the first one that we're going to be ranking on, we, we have a tier list pulled up right now. That's D, C, B, A, and S. And that's just going to help us keep an eye on where placements are. Uh, and it'll just give us, give you guys an idea of, you know, if we had to put a letter to a movie, which I know is a very uh, poor thing to do, but whatever. Spider-Man 1, Sam Raimi. Nick, give me an idea of uh, what, what do you think about the movie? What do you think its strengths are? What do you think its weaknesses are? And then tell me, where do you, where do you think it belongs on this uh, ranking? All right, so the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man 1 from 2002, I think, is a pretty good movie. It has a lot of memorable dialogue. Yeah. It has some kind of cheesy acting, but I think it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty fun. You had actually said the other day that it was the, the most quotable movie you can think of. Yes. Like, and I agree. Out of all the Spider-Man movies, this one, to me, has the most quotable dialogue. Yep. Whether that be, like, silly, funny memes or whatever. Or, something or even just, myself. like, things that characters just say to each other. Just, like, lines in the movie that are impactful or just scenes in general. I remember so much of this movie. And part of that might be because I've just seen it so many times. But there's probably a reason why I usually choose to pick to watch this Spider-Man movie over most of them. You know, I don't know about you, but this was my first Spider-Man movie I ever saw. I mean, aside from, I think I saw the cartoons growing up, but this was the first real one that I saw. And so this is this is a nostalgia pick for me. I do think it's possibly the best of the trilogy. I know people like Spider-Man 2 a lot, but I just think I'm a sucker for origin stories. I, I'm, a, I'm a big sucker for the, the homemade suits, the mm -hmm. ones where... You know, in the Raimi case, it's just a sweater, some sweatpants. I love that kind yeah. of stuff. And 
I think the Green Goblin is an amazing villain and was done yeah. so well. Willem Dafoe is just exceptional in the movie. Yeah, like it was a legendary performance. There's a lot of cheesy lines. <laughs> One of my favorites, because this is so stupid, is after Norman and Peter are fighting in in the burning building, they then go to Harry's apartment for Thanksgiving. And Norman walks in and he's he's like dripping in sweat and <laughs> he, he just looks like hell. And he comes in and he's like, oh, sorry, guys, work was murder. <laughs> It's like, because <laughs> like, he's killing people. Holy shit. And it's, fuck, it's so good. Things like something of a scientist myself, um, the teacher looking younger than the students in the opening. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, when Peter accidentally, like, throws food all over Flash Thompson and he wants to fight him. He says, I don't want to fight you, Flash. And then Flash says, I wouldn't want to fight me neither. And then in the background, you could hear a guy go, kick his ass, man. Yeah, dude. It's so good. Or like, Mary Jane's like, go, go help him. And fucking James Franco's like, which one? (laughs) James Franco in all these movies is just hilarious. The first one seemed like he was kind of trying. Same for the second one. The third one, dude, he did not give a shit. It's so good. (laughs) Um, That and I, I like that he, uh, Peter goes through a pretty good metamorphosis here. I also, okay. Mm -hmm. There were a few scenes in especially Spider-Man 2. Well, I guess we'll we'll move on to that after. Aunt May in these in this trilogy was amazing. Yeah. And she's my favorite Aunt May out of all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I can I can agree with that. <laughs> that reminds me of another line. Finish it. I'm <laughs> evil. Uh, another thing shit. that I like about Spider-Man 1 is that its visual effects are still pretty solid. Yeah. There's some practical explosions here and there. It's pretty cool. There's, um, yeah, the CG can be kind of rubbery, but even the web swinging looks pretty good still. Yeah. Like, I think it's important to emphasize that there was no, like, other live-action Spider-Man to this scale before. Yeah, there was no blueprint, no comparison, no nothing. So he, like, took just the pages of the comics of the character doing... Just swinging on webs, something that is impossible, and he made it look like it could happen. Yeah. And I think that's pretty impressive. And this movie set a lot of the groundwork for themes and tropes that these other movies would follow. Uh, you know, the the ending swing of a Spider-Man movie. Every Spider-Man movie, I, I think almost every single one of them, ends with a final swing of sorts. That was first a thing here. And I think that was the best way to end that movie. Yeah. Just at, after the funeral, he uh, turns down Mary Jane to protect her, and then he gives he reiterates the opening monologue of the movie as like a bookend. Yeah. Oh. Oh, the music too. The score. Yeah. Fantastic. This is the Spider-Man theme, I think. Oh, without a doubt. You know, I I like the MCU theme because it it, it does call back to the older cartoons or whatever but these movies had a great theme i mean the the we're, we're jumping ahead a lot here because we're talking within the the trilogy i guess but even things like the theme for the the symbiote suit that's just yeah. iconic and even the and even the mark webb movies had a good soundtrack too and good themes but yeah the the this movie's just amazing i, I all that's running through my head right now are the different lines. Back to formula. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't do this to me. <laughs> uh, so where would you where would you put this? I would give this one a solid A tier, personally. Really? You wouldn't put in an S? What are what are the Only downsides to the movie for you? I think the first half is significantly better. Yeah, I think the origin stuff is pretty much perfect. 
But it's so good, to me anyways, like it's so good that the second half doesn't completely compare, mm-hmm. but it is a natural payoff because that first half of the movie is dedicated to both Peter's origin and Norman Osborn's origin. Yeah. And then we get to see them clash heads. We get to see them fight each other. There's the ideology of like, oh, when, like, despite everything you've done to them, like, done for them, eventually they'll hate you which is a part of the movie where people just start hating Spider-Man because they think he's working with the Goblin. Yep. And that theme permeates through basically every iteration of Spider-Man. Yeah. I uh, I will say though, I think for me the, the movie really slows down after Aunt May is hurt. It does slow down for a bit. Yeah, like it has this weird the pace kind of slows down really heavily and I guess in movie time it's only it only slows down for like 5 or 10 minutes. But every time I watch the movie I think Oh, can we skip ahead to when they start fighting in the uh, under the bridge? I think it's because of the bridge scene is like right after that part of the movie. Yeah, is why it feels so awkward. Also, Sorry. just the idea of calling the phone and then Green Goblin's like come out to play, and then he's like, okay. And this he implies he was waiting at MJ's apartment the whole time. Oh my lord. <laughs> Oh, man, how many kids do you think are going to watch this movie and they're going to see a payphone and have no idea what it is? <laughs> it's almost the iPhone 1. Shit just came out. It doesn't even have TikTok on it. L. Uh, but yeah, okay, so uh, mm, I think it belongs in S tier, to be honest with you, but we'll go A tier for now, uh, and then we can adjust it later. Because, I mean, the tier the tiers don't really mean anything. Uh, we're more trying to rank these amongst each other, relatively. Yeah. So, Spider-Man 2, widely regarded as the greatest Raimi movie, some would say greatest Spider-Man movie, hands down. What are your thoughts on it? I think it's really good. Um, like If I were to take off the, I guess, the nostalgia goggles in a way, I'd say it's just as good as the first one. Yeah. It has a much more consistent pace. Everything feels more evenly distributed in the story. Mm-hmm. A great thematic like line where it's Spider-Man's battle with his personal life versus his responsibility. Yep. Even going as far as to adapt when he quits, which I think is pretty, pretty good. And it was done well too. It, it was. I don't, I don't know uh, how to explain it, but actually, funny enough. So when I was a kid and I saw this movie, I didn't, I didn't like it as much as the first because there was less action. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of action in the first act and third act, but the second act is barely anything, and it's because it's yeah. about that. He quits for a while. Raindrops keep falling on my head. And he eats hot dogs while watching people die or some shit. And (laughs) he lives his normal life. As a kid, I didn't like that. I was like, I want to see Spider-Man beat up Tentacle Man. Uh, Because this game or this uh, movie came out in 2004. And, you know, I was like, by the time I ended up seeing it, I was probably like six or something. Mm -hmm. But as an adult rewatching the movie, I appreciate that second act so much. Uh-huh. And and I yeah, I think it was handled super well. This movie also has a ton of quotable lines. And I think maybe it's not as quotable as the first one because I haven't seen it as many times. But you know, thing uh, Butterfingers, uh Power of the Sun, Harry Osborne saying that Spider-Man humiliated him by touching him. <laughs> uh, and then he puts his sunglasses on and walks away like <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. You, you know, stuff like that. It seemed less cheesy. In in a lot of ways, but it, it was definitely a a great look into that double life. Whereas mm-hmm. the first movie was the first movie sort of had a theme about it was the origin story, obviously, and Peter sort of enjoying this new power and coming to terms with. He opens himself up to 
having these people come after him and the people he he loves and it focuses a lot on sort of the 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 birth of of Spider-Man which is super important for the first movie and I think that's great but it it really felt like the second movie dove into the concept of this persona of Spider-Man really burying Peter alive and yeah his life is essentially being ruined by it and and even if even when that balances <laughs> That's the thing with Spider-Man. The the balance is never really struck. But even when he, it seems like he's managing it well at, in three, there's still so many issues that come into play. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that's what makes two really special and makes it more distinctive is that it's just as much of a Peter Parker movie as it is a Spider-Man movie. Like Spider-Man one, I think only had like a throwaway line about him losing his internship because he was being a superhero or something. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, I was late for work, so Dr. Connors fired me. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really come up that much. His superhero life and personal life intersecting is more so in his relationships, in the sense that those people are in danger. Spider-Man 2 does it in a way where it's his social life that gets crippled. Like, he loses his job at the start of the movie. He's not getting nearly as much money for his pictures anymore. And most importantly, his relationship with Mary Jane is, like, put in jeopardy. Oh yeah, like, it's he likes her, but he can't. But he knows he can't be with her. And then she is gonna get married to what's his name? Uh, John Jameson. Yeah, is that the son? Yeah, yeah. the astronaut. Yeah, and that's and that's what's like really interesting about it, is that she wants it too. And for her, she she's thinking, why isn't he doing it? He says he wants to, but he can't. What the fuck? And mm-hmm. of course, she eventually. It, it's in Spider Man Two that she finds out, right? Yeah, it's at the end of the movie. Where she shows up in the, the wedding dress and says, go get him, tiger. <laughs> that was, uh, that's a cheesy part of the movie, but, it, you know, it's earned. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Alfred Molina, is that his name? Yeah, that, that's the actor for Otto. Killed it. Absolutely. I, I can't see him in any other movie and not think, holy shit, Otto's in this movie. Like, I think he's just as good as Willem Dafoe oh, yeah. for that role. 100%. Just stellar performance and you know we we didn't talk about it with the first one but toby mcguire kills it oh yeah like without a doubt because he 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 perfectly embodies the pussy nature of peter parker (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean it's like yeah he's he's spider-man and he has that boosted confidence once he realizes his new powers but he's ultimately a bit of a bitch when he's in peter parker mode and and it really toby is able to really show that the mask itself is what gives him the confidence once he puts on that mask he's a different dude and even outside of the safety precautions that that really warrant that it, it serves as a disconnect you know mm-hmm. in, in spider-man 3 there's there there's a uh <laughs> it's like a very mild theme um, but it's this idea of Peter Parker and Spider-Man are two separate people living in the same body. And that actually, that's a major theme in two. Um, but they sort of explored a, a interesting part of that in three, which was just the the fame that comes with that. And how mm-hmm. Peter Parker think it, it seems that it, as though he thinks he's famous, but no, you're not. Spider-Man's famous. You just happen to be the dude. <laughs> it's like if you play it's like if you play a uh, character like Barney or something like that. And the dude, the 40 year old bald guy inside the Barney costume is like, they love me. No, they don't. They love Barney. And so I, I think that's a That's a one of the few praises I can give to three genuinely. <laughs> but two overall is good. And we got to talk about that. The hospital scene, man, with uh, Otto straight out of uh, Evil Dead. That is, I love that scene. I love that scene so much. I used to, that used to scare the shit out of me as a kid. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Like, that was, like, the intention, but now it's like, oh, man, that's so, 
that's sick. Oh, uh, another thing that Spider-Man 2, I think, undoubtedly does the best. The train sequence oh, yeah. is probably the best set piece out of all three of these movies. Mm-hmm. It's extremely complex, like, visually speaking. Like, I could... That, that was a fucking nightmare to make, I bet. I think it's a great use of Spider-Man as a character using his powers in an interesting visual style. I can think of plenty of memorable shots from the train sequence alone. Like the part where he gets thrown inside the train, he like spins around the pole. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. There's the part where he stops the train. Yeah. Everyone loves that. <laughs> and this movie really showed off the the the, the facial expressions of Tobey Maguire. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that I think this is where all the, uh, the famous Tobey Maguire faces come from. And screams. Oh! <laughs> At the end of the movie, yeah. Although there is one scream and, like, soy face in Amazing Spider-Man that has not seen the same love and attention, but we'll uh, talk about that later. Uh, that's that's <laughs> another one. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, w- <laughs> so what do you think are some weaknesses for the movie? Uh, dialogue, I don't think, is as memorable, mm-hmm. I want to say. Um, the whole mental blockage thing, while thematically fitting, does always kind of felt weird to me. Implying that Spider-Man's powers are linked to his mental state are very strange. Well, because I think they're trying to say that subconsciously he actually doesn't want it. He's getting yeah. to that point where I guess maybe he's questioning so much, like, is it really worth it? And he's becoming so frustrated with basically not being able to have anything he wants in life because of this responsibility that his mind just prevents him from actually doing it. And, you know, I, I think that is a perfect explanation or that's a perfectly fine explanation. Like, if that's like what as I said, for. I think it's I think it's fine thematically, but it feels as though because he subconsciously doesn't want his powers. It's not as if he had much of a choice to quit, if you know what I mean. Like, no, explain more. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, since his powers were failing him, it could very easily be interpreted as, my powers don't work anymore, I guess I have to quit. Mm. Like, it'd be different if he kept them, but he actively made the choice to just say, okay, I'm done, Like, and he always had them. But the movie already did have like a big moment like before he throws away the costume where he's like, okay, I'm done with this forever. Yeah. But I remember when I was younger, I always took it as, oh, his powers just don't work anymore. Yeah, and I I guess I just interpret it as he just subconsciously didn't want it. And I think that's why his powers came back when Mary Jane was in danger. Because that's like his... Really? It actually didn't come back when she was in danger. It came out just before that. Was it? But at that point, he was already trying to get them back. Oh, yeah, that's right, because he went into the burning building yeah. without any powers, which I thought was... He goes the burning building. He tries to like jump across the building, and he breaks his back. I, I got the timeline all fucked up. I thought that came afterward, or, yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, then he gets them back when Otto Octavius throws a fucking car into the cafe. Yeah, like, that's when he officially gets them back, and I wonder if that was just uh, because it's, like, now he's, uh, I guess, fully in that mindset again, in the grind set, mm-hmm. the Sigma male, Sigma man mindset. Yeah, it's one of those things that doesn't matter all too much, but, like, uh, it's it's something to think about. There, So... When we talk about these movies, because, of course, whenever something is popular, there has to be people that detest it just because, you know, they want to be cool. And there's I've seen some recent criticism towards Spider-Man 2 that things like uh, one criticism that me and Nick have both seen from people is how to how does Harry know where Otto is? Because Harry tells Peter where Otto is and why would he tell him? And, you know, how does Harry know and why would he tell Peter? And I'll admit, that's a perfectly, like, fine inconsistency. Like, if that bothers you, that's cool. Me, personally, I don't give a shit about that. Like, I, that that does not... A, a minor, I guess, 
like whole like that does not change the way I see the movies. And I'm not trying to say that it doesn't matter at all. And I'm not trying to say that those people aren't like valid for having that uh, bother them. I'm just saying for, for my personal, I guess, standards or taste or whatever you want to call it, that doesn't bother me. So I, that's why it's like, I'm not even going to talk about the, the minor plot holes here or there or stuff like that. We're, we're sort of talking broadly. It's, it's just movie logic. Like you can kind of associate like why he didn't, I guess, call the police with him wanting Spider-Man, like I guess dead and he's just looking Otto as like a hitman. Yeah. So it's like, don't tell anyone about where he is. Just like, oh, yeah. give him what he wants. Yeah. That was the criticism. It was if Harry knew where Otto was, why didn't he call the police? Um, and, and we could have arguments about that all fucking day. Cause it, it's a lot of like, cause my first thought is cause the police didn't work out well last time there. We could, jump down like a huge hypothetical rabbit hole but the, the point that i'm trying to make is that when we talk about things we didn't like about the movie we're we're more just going to talk about like any major gripes stuff like that because yeah, this is minor. a good movie oh i think so i think it's great you know as we think about it more i think i'm becoming more comfortable putting it over one i don't know about you oh like in like the critical sense yeah i'd say like it's better than one it's more consistent better visuals huge improvement but for me personally i just like one more because Part of that is that sentimental value. Yeah, and well, I'm trying really... to disconnect the sentimental value, though. That's my that's my problem. I don't really see that there's much of an issue with that, with having that, as long as you recognize it. Because if, if we're going off of, like, pure sentimental value, then, like, three would be higher than two for me. Because <laughs> three was the one of the first movies I ever saw in theaters. And I remember when it came out, I was so excited and, like, shitting my pants over it that my dad actually took me to the theater friday morning instead of going to school and i got to watch spider-man 3 so like in that sense i i have so much sentimental love towards 3 but there's no chance in hell that i can with a straight face put it over any of the other uh raimi movies like it's it can't happen <laughs> so would you be cool if we put two over one or do you yeah, think I'm it's fine with that. okay yeah we'll 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 come to a middle ground there because I, I agree with what you're saying but yeah so next up is spider-man 3 this is not a very good movie. I don't really believe this whole renaissance that's coming out where people are trying to argue that it's actually always been great. Not really, no. Mm -hmm. It's impressive for being as much of a mess as it is. It's impressive that it did come out in a watchable state due to all that studio mel uh, meddling. It is shocking to me that they managed to cram in a story that makes sense, but there's so much going on that it's... It's very distracting. Yeah. This this movie had three villains. Two of them were brand new, like fully like introduced, new concepts established. One of them is just a payoff to Harry Osborn, mm -hmm. which I think is a great part of the movie. And, and sh I, I wish was given more focus because, uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, I I'm part of the your, your camp, which is, you know, people saying that this was actually great and you guys just don't get it i i don't know i think that's that's a stretch um i will say that despite this movie being a mess i will say that it is probably the most fun out of the three movies i agree like i can have because there's you want to talk about quotable lines or just cheesy shit the, the cheese in this movie is so high good riddance or fucking fix this damn door uh, I protect you in high school, Pete. Now I'm gonna kick your little ass, and he goes, "Oh, yeah, little baby, baby Gobby's gonna cry or some shit." <laughs> like, <laughs> like th there's so many good moments, so I can understand that. Yeah, this is a fun movie, and I agree that I think it probably gets a little too much hate, or it used to. But I no, I don't think this shit's a masterpiece, man. 
the biggest compliment like, you could pay it is that it is the funniest movie for sure. I think it's a fun movie, but it's also tonally very inconsistent. Yeah. Like, not even, like, moments of levity. It's, like, half of this movie is Peter regretting, realizing that <laughs> Sandman killed his uncle and feeling <laughs> a regret for killing another different man. Yeah. And he gets the black suit. And what my favorite, my unironic favorite line in this movie, like I say this without any, like, jokes, is when he confronts Sandman in the subway and he's talking about, hey, do you know who Ben Parker is? He's trying to remind him of, like, who he killed. And then he says, what does that matter to you anyways? And he just shouts everything. Yeah. Like, that is a great line. You know, you kind of alluded to it before, but Venom was really a, a studio shove-in, I guess you want to yeah. say. Uh, he was not meant to be in that movie. And what's interesting is that if you disconnect Venom from the movie, there's actually a really great through line of just, I guess, Peter's past issues coming back up again like you, you look at harry who you know they had a lot of turbulence in the first and second movie and that's sort of coming to a head here you have mm -hmm. flint marco who basically kickstarted his his whole kickstarted the trilogy like if, if it wasn't for flint marco it would be a uh there would be no spider-man you know i just thought of something what's up in a way it kind of contradicts the origin story of the first movie because the whole point was supposed to be that he lets this guy go mm -hmm. because like he wants revenge on this other guy so he lets this robber go is like a fuck you to this guy mm -hmm. and it bites him though if he got that robber caught would that still kill uncle ben because sandman shot him by accident he might not have had to steal the car that, that, that was it was like a two-man thing it was like one guy was stealing the car and the other guy was stealing the money because it's an um, yeah. issue outside of his control at that point. Yeah, I guess. What do you think about the black suit? I like its design. Oh my god, right? First mod I downloaded for Spider-Man PS4 was the black suit. Like, I like the black suit in the comics a lot, but I also, I'm a simple man. I just like the black suit redesign of the Raimi suit. I think it looks great. Yeah, it, even if it is just, I like the bigger, more aggressive spider, of course, but it is just like a color swap. Yeah. But it's a good one, so it doesn't matter. So we, we actually haven't talked about the strengths and weaknesses. I think strengths here are, it's cheesy. It has some... I think it continues the trend of upping the visual effects. The liquid on Venom is very good. Oh, just the Sandman effects are amazing. Yeah, the scene where Sandman gets his powers and reforms himself is everyone's favorite scene in the movie, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, I wish they kept it in. You sent me this, I guess, I don't know if it was post-credits or like ending scene. Oh, with yes, the, um, the Spider-Man 3.1 deleted scenes, yeah. where one of them is he makes a sandcastle for his daughter. And then he just floats away in the wind. It's, uh, that was actually like really powerful, and I, I wish that made the final cut. Um, other strengths were, you know, I like I like the black suit in, um, in, in concept, because it, it, within this trilogy, it was an interesting means of seeing a Spider-Man and more importantly, a Peter Parker with his ego not in check. Mm -hmm. It's like, because the idea that we've talked about, this is the alter ego, you know, Peter Parker's a little bitch boy. And so what if he wasn't? Yeah. What, what if he, and even at the start of the movie, he's kind of acting like a jerk. Well, that's the thing too, is that he's starting to get so caught up in like, Oh, people love me that he ends up cheating on Mary Jane. What the fuck is that about that? Oh, I hate, I hate that part of the movie. What an asshole. Yeah. Especially cause it's so weird because he tries to frame it as like, oh, that was Spider-Man. Like, I, you know, what am I supposed to do? 
Not that. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> you probably should have talked to her about it. <laughs> not even that, but it's like, you don't need to do that. You can just... If he's in that situation, he can just, like, fake her out, go for a hug or something like that, you know? Yeah. But he's like, go ahead and lay one on Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God. And, but And I get it. It's because he's caught up in the idea of the fame and, you know, he, he's he's finally getting that love that he, that one, Peter Parker barely gets. And two, Spider-Man barely got. <laughs> like, even, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a little payoff in Spider-Man 1 where the people are like, yeah, hey, buddy, you're gonna have, if you want to get him, you got to go through me. Or no, no, no. In, 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 that's what they say in, in two. And in one, yeah. the people are in like. One of them, it was, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Yeah. And then in very classic fashion, they do fuck all to stop the villain, which I find hilarious. I love that in well, Spider-Man 2 where they're like, if you want to get to Joe him. Norman's just standing in line. Yeah. It, it's and like. At least in Spider-Man 1, it, it was fitting for the time because of real world events. It was yeah. a nice sentiment to have. Yeah. In Spider-Man 2, they try to keep it up with like, oh, Spider-Man's a, he's a city boy. They they respect him. But then it's like, shoves him aside. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> like how in Spider-Man 3, there's um, Sam Raimi's daughter, I think, was taking pictures of. Films the- extra. Yeah, yeah. He sells Jameson a camera with his no film in it. And of really course, good. we got to talk about Bully Maguire. Oh, yeah. The, the most iconic part of the movie, actually. When he. I think this was. The, the scene with, like, the dancing, was that. Did that happen because he beats Harry at the penthouse and he throws a grenade in his face? Or was that because he got Eddie Brock fired? I think that was right after he beat Sandman in the sewers. Because he's. I just remember. He's leaving. And he looks at his hair in the mirror. <laughs> he says, not in a million years. And he flushes it down a little bit. That, that, that was after he beats Sandman in the sewers. I'm, I'm just wondering what the, where, the, where the scene takes place with the music. That was right after that. Are you sure? Or was that after Eddie Brock gets fired? Because I think it was like, I've been in a retraction over 20 years. And it's like, starts playing the music? Maybe. It might have been after that, actually. Whatever. Where, where it happens is irrelevant. All we know is that there's a scene where Tobey Maguire is strutting down the street. And, like, women are looking at him like he's a weirdo, and he's, like, doing finger guns. <laughs> Just like the game. <laughs> he goes into a store, comes out wearing, like, a $2,000 suit. <laughs> that suit looks bad as fuck, though. It's a, that's a good-looking suit. Yeah, that's expensive. And, and then he hits a woman, which is kind of weird. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. B- bit of a weird champ. And he flirts with the, uh, the lady. Uh, Betty? Or... Yeah. Yeah. Is that Betty Brandt? Is that? I don't know. Black hair, Bob's? Yeah. Yeah, it's Betty. And he's like, hey, sugar. And she's like, oh, my God, it Peter. Goes, oh, Peter Parker. <laughs> Dude, this movie's yeah, so that, dumb. That middle half of the movie, as, like, entertaining as it is, is so disconnected from, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it's> <laughs> everything like, Dude, else. it's awful. It's so awful. And you think of things like, how did Eddie Brock find out? Did he Did he know um, Peter's identity? Oh, he did, yeah, because he in the church, right? Yeah. And, but did he, how did he know that, like, where to find Mary Jane? Because she just gets into a cab and he turns around and he's like, hey, where are you going? Yeah, he's just sitting in a taxi. <laughs> what if anyone, if someone else went in there? He would eat them. There's also, like, you're not MJ. How did Eddie Brock, like, Photoshop a picture so well to make it look like Spider-Man was robbing a bank? No, I thought he dressed up in, in a fake suit, No, that's in the he? video game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the movie, he, like, photoshops an image, and... Like, I mean, I guess it's possible, like, if you... With enough Well, time. he gets caught because Peter looks at it, and he, like, points out all the mistakes. Yeah. But, like, still, like... <laughs> how do you, like, do that? <laughs> and it's crazy, because nowadays, I could deepfake, like, any celebrity. You know, we could... You we could, could deepfake the Tobey Maguire. Yeah. 
Like, they've deepfaked him on top of MCU Spider-Man and shit. Yeah, Spider-Man 3 is... The writing's really weird. It's very disconnected. It feels like a mess. There's some good moments. Uh, yeah. You know, the quips from Spider-Man and Peter, Bully Maguire, are, are as good as ever. But, yeah, I, I, I think we're both in agreement that this goes at the bottom of the list so far. Yeah, I, I wouldn't... <laughs> put it like in I, what b tier I, I put in c only reason it's not in d is just because it's fun i guess yeah. so then we get into the web duology it should have been a trilogy well okay not should have could have been a trilogy um and we have the amazing <laughs> spider-man one and we have talked about this before but uh we we are both in agreement that spider-man one probably has the first half of uh, Amazing Spider-Man is fantastic, without Absolutely. a doubt. After the bridge scene, I would say maybe after the school scene, like halfway through its second act and like most of the third act, it, it really falls flat. And mm. it doesn't enter bad necessarily. I just find it forgettable. Yeah. It's like that problem I mentioned with Spider-Man 1, except like way more apparent. Yeah. The origin stuff arguably is better than the Sam Raimi one, I'd say. Yeah, something I like about Andrew Garfield, or I guess it's not his interpretation, but just his acting. He, Andrew Garfield is amazing, by the way, in, yeah. in this movie. And I don't know why people people shouldn't fault him. They should be getting angry at the writers and whatnot. Or not, like, don't Garfield, get angry at anyone, but... What's up? Andrew Garfield is just a great actor in general. Like, yes. Social Network, he did a fucking great job in that movie, too. Oh, yeah. And, and so <laughs> what I like is that he immediately gets a bit of an ego. Like that basketball scene is complete and they make it seem like, especially Uncle Ben makes it seem like he's an asshole for that. Fuck that. He took so much shit from Flash throughout the entire movie and then he gets to do a little payback and embarrass him in front of anybody. Yeah. Yeah, do it. I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, you know what? You're being a bit of a dick, but the guy had it coming. Somebody's got to do it. It also makes more sense for uh, Uncle Ben to be more disappointed in that than when he fights him in the first one because that was self-defense. Oh like, yeah, 100%. Like, this one, hit, he's going out of his way to be an asshole. Yeah, and Peter threw, like, one punch in the first movie. Mm -hmm. Like, he was mostly dodging and then eventually just hit him with one punch and then ran away. Like, that's like, the epitome of just defending yourself, not trying not to get hurt. But, yeah, and, and in the first movie, when he's talking to criminals, like, oh, no, my greatest fear is small knives. <laughs> like, he, he's a bit of an asshole, and I like that. Because he's just, he knows he's just fucking unstoppable now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's absolutely great. I love the scene when he wakes up with his powers and you know, like he goes to open the door and he just rips the handle off <laughs> and, you know, he goes to squeeze some toothpaste out and it just like shoots out. It cooms everywhere. I, I, I love that the stuff. By accident. Yeah. So how do you feel about Oscorp in the movie? Because Oscorp is this big, I guess, like conspiracy in the in the movie. Oscorp is like the super villain factory in both of these movies. Yeah, they're they're the big pharma. Uh, I, I guess it's, like, a way to tie it together, like, tie, they wanted to tie, uh, Peter and, fuck, what's the lizard's name again? Connors. Dr. Connors, yes. <laughs> I, I genuinely forgot. Like, they wanted to put them together to get that, like, relationship going, like, kind of similar to the first, um, Spider-Man movie, the Sam Raimi one. Mm -hmm. They're already associated with each other. They had some sort of... Uh, I guess relationship if you want to call it that and the way they did it here was that they made Peter's dad like a co-worker of his this this is one thing I really don't like about the Mark Webb movies where they made Peter Parker's parents like the most important people like ever yeah <laughs> like they, they try to like build up Spider-Man as this chosen one and in fact I mean Spider-Man 2 does basically say that yeah 
it gets rid of a lot of the everyman aspect of the character. At least uh, the fight scenes in Amazing Spider-Man 1 were really good. That fight in the elementary school, the high school, is so well made. And the visual effects are fantastic. And they get they only, they only get exponentially better in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, something unique to Amazing Spider-Man 1 that I kind of wish they did just one, like just a little bit more, was they had first-person scenes oh, when he's... Right. When he's swinging, like they occasionally cut to a first person shot. That is very cool. In fact, the first teaser trailer was just that entirely. So awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about the, the suit? Uh, good old basketball man. I think he looks pretty cool. Yeah, I, I have no issues with the suit. I think people hate on it too much. I actually really like the Amazing Spider-Man 1 suit like a lot. Like the yellow lenses are pretty cool. I used to think they were weird. I like them a lot. And I like the homemade suit he has. Again, big sucker for those. <laughs> you call it the homemade suit? He's just wearing like a ski mask and sunglasses. And yeah, a it's homemade. <laughs> so overall, though, I think it's a perfectly good movie. I think I'd put it above Spider-Man 3, but not the first two Raimi movies. Yeah, I like the... So the score of Amazing Spider-Man 1 was done by James Horner, who passed away. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he died in an accident, right? Oh. And... Rest in peace. Before uh, one of the other movies on this list, I would say that this was my favorite score of a Spider-Man movie as a whole. Like, yeah. there were themes in the Raimi trilogy that I liked more, but as an overall score with, like, light motifs, I really like Amazing Spider-Man ones. And also, the um, the theme for Spider-Man in that movie was used in No Way Home, which I thought was the better Amazing Spider-Man theme anyways, so that's good. Yeah, I, I just generally, I like... Peter Parker in this game. I like Gwen. Uh, I know that people don't like that Peter Parker likes skateboards. Like, he's not a complete nerd. And I, I do agree that the um, skateboarding felt a little out of place, to be honest with you, but it didn't I wouldn't really say much. the skateboarding. More so, he's a little too confident right off the get-go. Yeah, yeah. But I also feel like that reflects a more modern nerd if that makes sense like nerds aren't coming to school in you know high waist slacks and overalls anymore like teenagers now are showing up in skinny jeans and converse like nerd teenagers this peter like he's smart still oh yeah like it's it's just that he's quiet yeah like he's a little kept to himself but in this movie there's still parts where he's like a little too confident like before he even gets his powers i think yeah the biggest inconsistency is that andrew garfield is a fucking hunk in this movie andrew right garfield from the get-go is chiseled peter parker is not supposed to be that attractive fix it <laughs> and uh since we didn't mention it yet this has the other pog face we were talking about yeah where there's a montage of him testing out his powers to cold play and near the end of it he starts swinging off of hanging chains and once he gets it all done he nails it perfectly he looks up at the camera he smiles and then he just screams he goes Woo! <laughs> <laughs> it is ridiculous but he makes a perfect pog face when he does it <laughs> he does <laughs> so good dude yeah the ending was was fine i guess i felt i felt like gwen in this movie was really cool i find it weird because i actually i've watched this one quite recently like i watched it like uh, i think two months ago but i i feel like i don't remember much in that second half because yeah. it's basically lizard doing lizard things although i do like the scene in the sewer where he uses he puts the webs together to find which tunnel the lizard that's in. really cool but then he has property of peter parker on his camera yeah um a little, little stupid i guess but <laughs> i'll be honest if that were me i would have forgotten about that <laughs> property of spider-man <laughs> 
okay. So now we move on to what I think everyone would universally say is the worst Spider-Man movie. If if not this, would, they'd probably say Spider-Man 3, but I think most would say Amazing Spider-Man 2 is the worst Spider-Man movie ever made. And I want to uh. throw something out here off the bat. We've talked about this before, Nick. I think this movie has the best visuals out of any Spider-Man movie so far. As far as like, uh, uh, I mean, hard to compare it to something like Spider-Verse, but as far as the realistic ones The live go, action movies? Yeah, yeah. Live action, hands down, so good. That opening five, ten minutes of swinging is just amazing. Uh, it's, but it seriously is. It's perfect. Absolutely sensational. Uh, but it's when you get into the plot things started to get a little weird the music in amazing spider-man 2 is great i love the suit redesign as well it feels a little more reminiscent of what people are used to as far as comics go it's not as different as basketball man but it is uh, it's clearly still... took feedback yeah and i i think uh, amazing spider-man 2 suit is actually one of the better suits thus far yeah it, look, it looks really good i like that it's an imperfect fit too yeah it wrinkles. The visual effects. I was talking to Nolan about this a few days ago outside of the podcast, like in prepare uh, to prepare for this. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, "Is like, hey, have you seen the behind the scenes where they talk about the visual effects?" And he said, "No." And he watched it. And Nolan, why don't you uh, tell some fun facts that you learned? I learned that they had they gave they they had muscle deformation on the suit um that they used to just make it look more realistic and to make the suit wrinkle in places where it would naturally wrinkle and flap through the wind i learned that they <laughs> they had gymnasts do the actual stunts that are being performed in the opening segment and then they use that as reference for the cg and fuck i can't remember <laughs> overall this movie is a technical marvel yes oh like, marvel. everything about it visually speaking looks fantastic even like close to a decade after it came out it still looks fan it looks amazing oh yeah like great work from the vfx team <laughs> but as nolan said it's when the story stuff happens is where things start to fall apart because this movie also suffers a lot from the spider-man 3 problem of cramming way too much into it yeah and so instead of having a through line or any meaningful plot threads they just they're not even threads. They're they're like bullet points. They they just start and don't really go anywhere. Um. Okay. So while we're talking about visual effects, there's plenty of designs here that I absolutely love. You know, when when Spider-Man is shooting his web out to Gwen, the the web looks like a hand that's reaching out. Some people think that's cheesy or that's like cringe. Get the fuck out of here. That's so cool. <laughs> I think I think it's amazing. But I think the Green Goblin design is horrendous. It looks so bad. Like, technically, yeah, it's it's fine, but, oh, the design's rough, man. It does I think that, Electro it, looks amazing. He look. I need to stop saying amazing. Fuck. He, Electro looks good, and who's the, th who's the other guy? <laughs> Rhino's in the movie for, like, 10 minutes. No, 10 seconds. Yeah, Rhino looks good. Green Goblin is, like, that thing I joke about where whenever a reboot comes out, they have to make something look kind of like the source material, but then they just, like, change it for no reason. And they make it really, really gritty and gross because it's really just stupid. realistic. It's like in The Batman, they have the Joker and, like, he's just, like, <laughs> yeah. disgusting face, like, deformed. It's like, no, just give him scars. Just give him paint. He's a clown. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the way that Joker did it was good. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, it was a, it was a different take but it, it definitely he was still it was still just makeup yeah uh, but like the, the way the my favorite example dmc dmc where they make <sighs> dante 
Like, they give him the white hair only in Devil Trigger, and they give him the red jacket only in Devil Trigger. It's like, just give him both. Like, yeah. Like, Virgil is stupid, too, because they give him his, like, standing hair after he gets, like, a power-up. And it's like, no, just just have him have his hair back if you want to do that. Like, we don't need these explanations or, like, random design elements. And the Green Goblin is so awful looking. Yeah. Just, just design-wise, even if... It doesn't matter the medium, because even in the Amazing Spider-Man 2 game, which is something else, um, it looks awful. It looks so bad. But it's Electro like looks great, without Electro a doubt. looks good, yeah. And I think the movie, that that's the movie's biggest strengths, are its visuals, its fight scenes are awesome, but a lot of this stuff just doesn't hit that hard. Except for Gwen's death, just because of <laughs> how sudden and unexpected, well, it wasn't necessarily unexpected, but it was just, that's a, that's a, that's <laughs> a good scene. I thought you were about to say it hits hard because she splats on the ground. That's exactly what I was going for. Okay. <laughs> uh, her head against the concrete is specifically what what hits hard. I think I think it can be enjoyed on those merits, and I certainly you know if if we ever do a Spider Man marathon, I would certainly never skip the movie because yeah. there are some also funny parts like I hate you, Spider Man. Fucking uh, Harry Dane Dehan tries his hardest. <laughs> oh, poor guy. He tries really hard, but. It's firstly, it's hard to disassociate him with Andrew from Chronicle. Yep. <laughs> and secondly, what they have him do is so goofy. Yeah. One of my favorite parts of this movie is when S- <laughs> Spider-Man f- feels the need to show up at his penthouse in costume <laughs> to tell him, I'm not going to give you my blood to save your life. Like, instead of just not showing up at all. And then when he leaves, he hangs out outside of his window and then you just hear him flip a table you see it happen it's so it's funny so weird man yeah and- oh and they do they do the 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 for you song oh i forgot about yeah. that <laughs> the fucking hands down worst part of the movie yeah philip phillips let's go hey you know what though I-, I like that he takes a break after gwen dies like he's like i don't know if i can do this anymore <laughs> like i think that part of the movie is is, is cool and then when the kid like a fucking idiot decides to just like stand in front of the rhino and it inspires him. He's like, I got to I like the part where he fixes the kids uh project. Yeah. He, when he walks home with them, that's pretty cool. Cuz that's the friendly neighborhood stuff that's really that, that I think gets lost in some of the bigger Spider-Man productions. It's hard to focus on that when they want to do like a movie with all these like villains and shit. Yeah, and they and they want to up the stakes to something like, you know, Venom and and Sandman take over a construction site where, you know, at that point the military should very much be concerned. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, how come nobody's calling the cops? Or it, it, it's like, you see that a lot. It's hard with to the... call the cops on mm-hmm. an alien. Yeah. And I'm not going to, we're not going to levy these criticisms against the MCU or we're like, how come they don't just call the Incredible Hulk? Because it's like, it, it's movie thing. Like you kind of have it's, to. It's dumb comic thing. You, too. you really take it as it is. It's like, and I'm there okay are so many superheroes in New York in the comics. Like who would ever commit a crime? Yeah, and it's like, even if, say, all the major ones are off fighting uh, Kang or something like that, I would not rob a store, because it's like, I could get my ass handed to me by fucking Squirrel Girl or something. (laughs) It's a roulette wheel, it's like, you're in Hell's Kitchen, looks like Daredevil's here. You could go anywhere else, fucking Moon Knight jumps in and breaks your arm. Yeah, you go to Harlem, Miles Morales comes in, you get a Air Jordan to the face. (laughs) There's literally, there's two Spider-Men. (laughs) they're just there yeah and then avengers headquarters is also there (laughs) 
Oh, and the Sanctum Sanctorum, where they're actual wizards that could just teleport you to the fucking Shadow Realm, or they just hang out. Uh, anyways, yeah, it's we're not going to talk about that. Point is, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 does have some of that small town, friendly neighborhood stuff, which I loved. And I actually think the first like 15 minutes of the movie are fantastic. And then it just very, very quickly goes downhill. Uh, so I'm comfortable putting this in D tier. What about you? Oh, yeah, same. I, I don't like this movie that much like, so, at all. To refresh uh, the viewers, we have in A tier, we have Spider-Man 2, then Spider-Man. We have Amazing Spider-Man in B, Spider-Man 3 in C, and then Amazing Spider-Man 2 in D. And so the next movie on the list now is Homecoming, which, I mean, we want to talk about, uh, fuck. We want to talk about, oh, man. Friendly Neighborhood. Yes, thank you. (laughs) If you want to start again. Yeah. Um, If we want to talk about Friendly Neighborhood stuff, this is the movie. Within the wider MCU, you had Civil War, the massive movie. You Mm. had the Avengers movies, massive. To have something like this that is so small scale is really refreshing. Like, not only does it fit the character, but it's also the Vulture's just, you know, he's going to like rob banks or some shit. Like, he's not going to blow up the world. It's even a nice step back compared to the Amazing Spider-Man movies where there's so many different villains. Like, the Lizard tried to turn the whole city into lizards. Yeah. And then the Vulture is just like, yeah, I want to make money. Yeah. And on top of that, this vi- this um movie does not go over the Uncle Ben stuff, which I love. Let's 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 get some thoughts out first about what do you, what do you think of Tom Holland? I think he does a great job in this movie. Well, in all the movies actually. Yeah, hundred percent. He's not my favorite Spider-Man actor. I still think I think Andrew Garfield is probably like as an actor my favorite one. Yeah. But. In terms of capturing the performance as both Peter Parker and Spider-Man, this one leans way more into Peter Parker than the Spider-Man personality. But when he does do the Spider-Man stuff, he it does sound very natural for him. Mm-hmm. He looks the part. He can do, like, he has a background in gymnastics, I'm pretty sure. Yep. I think that's what got him the role anyways. Yeah, because he did a flip. <laughs> hey, Spider-Man, yeah. do a flip. I think Tom Holland does a great job. I like the supporting characters a lot, too. Yep. The I don't, I don't remember who the actor is, but Ned... Make, giving Miles, like, best friend character to Peter for these movies was such a good idea. Think so? It was great. Like, giving Spider-Man, like, a best friend is such a good idea. Yeah, but it also makes me think, like, well, what about when we get a Miles movie? Who's? I guess I'll have Genki, but... Well, they're the same person, basically. Yeah. And um, we do have a Miles movie, and we don't even have Genki. No, I mean, like, a, like a live-action. By the time we get a live-action Miles, we're probably going to be, like, so long in the future. <laughs> I hope not. Because Peter Parker is just synonymous with the character, and I don't think general audiences would be too comfortable just giving that up. Dude, I think they I think they would be. Like you could you could have both exist at the same time, like with uh PS4. Like, you know, you could have I don't I don't know if it would work, but what if you just had Miles Morales in like a different city that's like kinda like New York? Like you could have him in like Chicago or something. Like you could, but I think part of what makes Miles an interesting character to me is the legacy aspect. Yeah. Trying to live up to that, the big mantle of Spider-Man, but doing it his own way. But we're talking about a different movie, so let's hold hold on to that for a second. Yeah, sorry. Uh, okay. I agree. I think Tom Holland's great. I think he's my least favorite of the Spider-Man, but he absolutely kills it. He's the only actor to be in high school and actually somewhat look like a high schooler. Oh, he's only like 23 or 24. Yeah. Like now. Yeah, and, and so he he did great. Yeah, he just, it it just felt natural. I think we've talked about this. Uh, we talked about this in the last video in the last episode 
on the MCU, so we won't jump too far into it. But his introduction to Civil War with that trailer was a bad jumping off point. It was a horrible first impression. But this this movie really redeemed it for me. I love the small scale stuff. I love the vulture. And, and I'm skimming over stuff because we've already talked about this last uh, episode. I love the scene where the vulture discovers that it's the Peter oh, Spider-Man yeah. and you can see the wheels turning. We forgot to talk about that in, in the MCU episode. And that is one of my favorite, that's probably my favorite scene across the entire entirety of the Spider-Man MCU movies. It's nice uh, lighting details that when it clicks for him, the light turns green. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Perfect. So good. Uh, this movie also had the, it adapted the, the debris on him and he has to lift mm-hmm. it up yep. and do it in a very great way in this movie the the visual effects are pretty good here too visual effects are pretty good yeah but it also has the mcu pipeline problem where they have to get rushed out so fast that it's not always polished yeah some of it does look very uh it almost looks elastic yeah there's points in this movie where the suit is entirely cg yeah like where it doesn't have to be and because of it he looks off yeah it's not too distracting like i think i only really notice it if i'm looking for it but on yeah. upon rewatching, i yeah it doesn't look horrible it's just sometimes it's uncanny yeah but i wouldn't even say it's like distracting Mm -hmm. i don't know Uh, another part of this movie i like is in the opening where he's at the school they're building up they establish that he's so excited to be a superhero and he wants to only like focus on that that in between classes he's like making web fluid yeah like that's one of my favorite shots is when he just like has this little drawer open and he's just like quickly trying to make it when no one's like looking Mm -hmm. because he can't afford that shit on his own as we think about it more like this is an exceptional movie and i think Mm -hmm. maybe i get disillusioned with the amount of mcu spider-man hate that is especially recently coming to light which we saw the most of with uh no way home or or, uh, far from home sorry but yeah i i just think uh it's fantastic movie where do you think it belongs Uh, i like it more than amazing spider-man one i think i would still call it a b-tier movie yep because i think um the stuff with iron man i wasn't super into it like i don't have a problem with it but i don't that that wasn't a standout for me i was just you know Mm-hmm. It was just fine. I, the only reason I, I don't think it's an issue is because it has such a great payoff throughout the rest of the trilogy, and it, it makes sense that he's there. Yeah. And I love the line, if you're nothing without the suit, you shouldn't have it. it yeah, it's a great line. Especially coming from Tony Stark. Yeah, because it initially seems very hypocritical, but it's really not. Yeah, because, I, I mean, a big part of Iron Man 3 was Tony learning to not, I guess, rely on the suits. And even then, he still built those by himself. <laughs> that and there was a part in Iron Man 3 where didn't you have to like <laughs> use like only a hand blaster to like move through he makes the like Mandarin a thing? gun out of like a nail yeah like, like a, a gun that shoots nails and like grenades just on his own yeah it's really cool so and yeah I'm comfortable putting it there too I think <laughs> if the amazing Spider-Man if the beginning of the first half of that movie was as good as the or sorry if the second half was as good as the first half I'd say amazing Spider-Man 1 might be even better than the Raimi Spider-Man 1 but it mm-hmm. is unfortunately not yeah so next up on the list is Spider-Verse which interestingly enough is where we differ quite a bit opinion wise because i know what Um, you think of this movie so why don't you take it away spider-verse i am 100 serious this is my favorite movie ever made like this is more than just the best spider-man movie for me this is my favorite film just ever like stylistically incredibly unique animation wise it's gorgeous and story wise i think it makes miles morales a very interesting and compelling character 
which without this movie, I do not think uh, could be said. Like, what's up, danger? Oh, and also, <laughs> I, I said it uh, a little earlier. Uh, this has my favorite score of all Spider-Man movies, too. Yep. Not just the licensed music, but the actual regular music that plays in the movie is amazing. It is so well done. This is the this is also the only movie where its soundtrack I actually have on my Spotify playlist. Yeah, because they're good songs on their own. Yeah, they're fantastic songs. As much as I... So let's explain why we meme on What's Up Danger so much. One... <laughs> Uh, the title of the song is stupid as fuck, and, but and, and I understand like the significance of the movie. It's like you know not having fear and whatnot, and like having that I guess coolness to it, that that um, exaggerated swagger, some might say. <laughs> but on the Spider-Man PS4 subreddit, especially when Miles Morales came out, people would take a a photo of the game uh, and made it made it look like one of the promotional images, and actually one of the scenes from uh, the Spider-Man movie where the skyline of uh, New York is upside down and it looks like miles is like floating up towards it and they would all title it what's up danger and we would see i was very active on the spider-man subreddit because i love that game and i I love seeing different photo mode uh pictures and i would see a what's up danger post probably five fucking times a day and every time it would get thousands of upvotes and then you'd see the most stylized photo like so this shit looks like a painting like five upvotes and then some dude just posts <laughs> so the same funny. fucking screenshot with the same what's up danger and they get reddit gold reddit silver reddit it's platinum so reddit ruby and it, oh my god fuck right off dude and i oh it makes me so fucking mad i'm so tired <laughs> of seeing what's up danger on my fucking feed and so whenever we <laughs> so that's like i can't listen to the song without thinking of the stupid subreddit <laughs> And so every time funny. I'd read the post, I'd read it with the voice of the guy who sings the song where he's like, like, what's up, danger? Don't be a stranger. <laughs> Fucking, that song sucks a dick now. But it, <laughs> disconnecting it from that is a good song, though. And, and I think a lot of the music is uh, fantastic. I think that scene in the movie, the Leap of Faith scene, is the best payoff in the Spider-Man series for the movies, I think. Yeah, and, and you want to talk about visuals? I know that it's a tough comparison because one's live action and one's animated, but the visuals in this movie are perfection. Mm-hmm. They don't get better. It, it's so good. The, and, and it's so stylized. The style is amazing. Like, I feel bad even calling this technically a cartoon or something like that, you know? Yeah, like, every character from every universe has their own unique way of moving. They have different animation styles, different art styles. It's so impressive. One of my favorite details of the movie is when the characters are introducing themselves, they always throw, like, a comic book cover on screen. Let's do this one last time. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the very end, like after the What's Up Danger Leap of Faith scene, Miles gets his comic thrown onto the screen like his origin is complete. Yeah. It's just it is... overall a fantastic movie. The voice acting is fantastic. The guy who played Peter B. Parker did a fucking great job. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of downsides in the movie, and it's it's really hard to... It's hard think of like any. i think this is the most solidly constructed spider-man movie yeah it just feels feels right it's legitimately funny too it's not like haha that's kind of funny it's like i thought this movie was like laugh out loud funny i think the spider ham stuff is a little obnoxious to be honest with you spider man yeah it's a little obnoxious that's kind of like, like his thing though like it's yeah, meant the, to be like he so was absurd. definitely put in there for like smaller like younger kids but like you see someone like kingpin who's just massive <laughs> King, I love that Kingpin's screen. just an egg. Holy shit. 
you see him get out of a car at one point in the movie and it makes no sense i i and i like even subtler not subtle but like just i like the absurd parts of it like the idea that aunt may was completely in on it in his spider-man's universe and just has like an underground <laughs> he vault has just like a bat cave that features the spider-man ps4 suit which yes. i think is the best spider-man suit to date by the way I love, um, I also love how Miles, his suit is just the classic suit, but spray painted over with his own visual style. Yep. And when he looks up to the suit the first time, the suit is like too big for him yeah. because he's, he, he hasn't, he's not Spider-Man yet, but then he, I don't know what happens. And, yeah. and just visual gags, like when Miles's roommate is spinning around in the chair and everyone collectively is moving <laughs> along the ceiling. Also like Penny Parker, she can't stick the walls, so everyone's just like carrying her along <laughs> the wall too. Yeah. I, and I like the the variety of Spider-Man. I'm glad they didn't just do I mean Noir is a given, but I'm glad they mm-hmm. didn't just do the most well-known ones. Like I think Penny Parker is a pretty obscure cut. And oh, e- yeah. even same with Spider-Ham to be honest with you. And I I think uh overall movie is it's just good. I almost have little to say. I could put this movie on and just watch it, like, whenever. Yeah. I think this is my favorite movie ever. Phil Lord and Chris Miller, very talented directors. Watch the Jump Street duology. Watch everything they made. It's awesome. Like, they're great. <laughs> yeah, I, love, I love the Jump Street movies. Uh, okay, so you know what? I wasn't... Initially, me and Nick have had big disagreements over what the best Spider-Man movie is, but now that we've talked about it a lot more, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm in agreement that this is probably the best Spider-Man movie, at least so far out of this yeah. list. And yeah, not much more to say, except we're moving on back to the MCU where we have, oh, actually, no. So we have our, we have a little surprise for you. Among (laughs) the Spider-Man movies, we are also going to talk about Venom. And if you want to talk about some good ass soundtracks, (laughs) Venom, 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 holy shit, dude, this movie fucking rules. I fucking hate this movie so much. It's so, okay. I'm not joking. This is not a Spider-Man 3, oh, it's so bad, you can enjoy it. I genuinely think Venom kicks ass. <laughs> it's a dope movie. It's funny as hell. The action scenes are really good, except for the last one. And the 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 old married couple dynamic that is Eddie and Venom is, is spectacular. Just off the bat, I'd put this shit in B tier above Homecoming. No lie. You're insane. No word of a fucking lie, dude. You're so insane. Like, I love this movie. I love when he, he just, <laughs> Venom doesn't like me called a parasite. And he's like, yo, Eddie, back on my planet, I was a loser, a virgin, a little cuck baby like you. So lame. It's, it's so, so good. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Oh my God. And there's, I, and just, I love that. What's the guy? Tom Hardy just kills it. He does. He's such a bumbling idiot. The entire movie. Tom, it's so Tom Hardy's funny. stupid accent in this movie. I hate it so much. He's like slurring all of his words, and he and he has to like he, he jumps into the lobster tank and starts just eating them raw. It's <laughs> that, that, so that's good. Funny. <laughs> There's so many funny moments in this movie. There's a part where Eddie Brock fucking makes out with female Venom. Yeah, female Venom. So, that's awesome. And then you have Riot. Oh, Riot's cool. I just I, I can't help but love it. I love everything about it. I think my biggest issue with Venom personally is that it barely feels like a completed movie. Yeah, the like, third act feels, is just action scene and like, everything feels so rushed. He gets the Venom like symbiote suit, and then there's like the initial action scene, mm-hmm. and then one after that, and then we're at like the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like pacing wise, there's definitely some issues. I just, I guess this is the little kid inside of me 
losing his mind because there's actually a Venom movie. And I think it's amazing. I, I just, this movie's funny as fuck. I don't care. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> I will never get tired of, like, even some, they expand on this more in the second movie, but in the, it's just this idea of they're at the convenience store and he's like, oh, can I, can I get M&Ms please? And then the fucking Eddie's like, oh, we can't do M&Ms, you know, they, they cost way too much money. Can we go, can we get the no name? No, they don't taste as good. Well, we, we got to make a compromise here. We're, we're supposed to be a team, you know, we, we, we got to be eating the, we got to be saving our money. We got to keep buying chickens to keep feeding you. No, I want the name brand. And it's, it's dumb as fuck, but it's so funny. And yeah, who am I kidding? It's C tier. I'd put it above Spider-Man 3, genuinely. Um, I don't think I would. Wait, would you put it above Amazing Spider-Man 2? Probably, because Spider-Man, I mean, Spider-Man 2 feels like the most corporate fucking movie ever. Yeah, every, like, every, there's like so many Sony ads in the movie, front and center. So many Sony ads, it only, it only exists to like, make the, the Sinister Six movie that was going to happen. I think the cherry on top of that sentiment is the For You song. Yeah. Like, this movie has the Venom rap, which is hilariously awful. No, okay, I don't think the song is that bad. It's only, it's only awful because it's Venom. They made a, they made an Oh, Eminem, Eminem is talented, yeah, it's just that, like... Like, the song the itself is fine. they made a, a movie about Venom, and then they ended the movie with a song about Venom. It's so It's like funny. a rap song, and it... Not, not the devil! Yeah, it's dude. so fucking... <laughs> so oh, funny. Oh, no. Okay. There there are points in this movie that I think are genuinely funny though. Like what? I like like you said the lobster scene. I think a lot of the one-off lines like when he tells him to jump off a building and then he can't do it and he just like goes down the stairs and like calls him a pussy. Yeah. I think that's funny. It, it's definitely got some good stuff. I couldn't care less for Riot though. The final action scene is awful, I think. Yeah, cuz it's two very dark black gooey figures fighting yeah. in darkness. It's a black alien versus a gray alien at night, <laughs> and they're made out of goo, so they're, like, splashing everywhere. That's one thing I wish we saw more of, which is daytime Venom. Like, broad daylight fucking oh, shit up. Oh, um, also, I hate the Venom design in this movie. Um, it, it's different. It looks like he's covered in globs of semen. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, the veins. Yeah, they they made it a really lot better like in the second movie. Have you seen the second one? I've not seen the second Okay, movie. that's great, because that means I can place it wherever I want, and you can't. That, that means you me. could place it in S tier, and I can't disagree. I have not seen the movie. It could be an S tier movie. Holy shit. All right, well, let, let's let's move on then to uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, which I think is possibly the most hated MCU Spider-Man movie, and I don't totally get it. It It's hated. Like, it, people treat this as one of the worst Spider-Man movies, and I really don't agree at all. And I like, don't understand it. We, we talked about it in the MCU movie, but it, people say, oh, well, Peter's like, stupid in this movie and i just i don't know how you can look at somebody who makes a bad decision after having their father figure die and then having them die for four years and then come back to life and say yeah they're, they're making stupid decisions i wouldn't have done that me smart person would never do that me person who isn't emotionally compromised yeah hey me person who isn't in this situation i wouldn't do that that's <laughs> <laughs> fucking hindsight andy's dude but genuinely, I think this is a great movie. Visual effects are so good, and I love that they they basically have an excuse to go full CGI for uh, Mysterio, and and the visuals in the Mysterio segments are really cool. I think the um the scene that where he makes the entire area out of CGI and fucks with them, like transporting him to different locations, showing him a bunch of this like imagery, I think is easily the best part of the movie. And that scene alone might push it over the edge of me liking it more than homecoming 
Because I think I, I think Homecoming, because of its smaller scale, feels more not uh, complete, but just feels more consistent. I think for, uh, Far From Home did some really cool stuff with the elementals, and I think they did some really cool stuff with just a new setting. Uh, they were in Venice in the movie, right? Yeah, they were in Europe at least. And for the first time, we've had a Spider-Man movie not take place in New York. And uh, doesn't Venom take place in Chicago, I think? I don't know. But either way, you know, having not having a, a Spider-Man movie take place in some major American city is is cool. And and I love the the night monkey outfit. <laughs> and Ned is, again, amazing. But nothing's going to top the Infinity War. <gasps> We're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm comfortable putting... So where do you think this goes then? Uh, I think it's also a B-tier movie. Okay. I think it's slightly better than homecoming personally if only because of that one scene otherwise i think they're pretty uh comparable to each other yeah pretty equal um and then we have we'll do no way home next three it's a magic number so no way home is less fresh since uh, our mcu episode and i've thought about it more and i think in a lot of ways there's a little too much going on like yep. it, it, to me, the movie, aside from how rock hard it gets my nostalgia boner, I, I feel like it, it's almost sensory overload from start to finish. And it's mm-hmm. such an out there movie. Like it immediately starts with his identity getting leaked by Mysterio and almost immediately transitions into Doctor Strange, the spell, the and, and I think No Way Home has a lot of great moments, i.e. that final battle and the returning cast of Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe just are incredible. No, no question about it. But it just feels as though overall, it's just a lot. And it's a long movie, too. It is a very long movie. And it just doesn't... I don't know how to explain it. It's, it feels like if you take out all the nostalgia and all the returning villains, like say they completely recast the other two Spider-Men and they're from different universes, how much would you still like this movie? I'd still like it quite a bit. I just don't know if I'd like it more than, you know, like Spider-Man two or spider-verse oh no i wouldn't say it like it more than those two but also tom holland delivers his best performance in this movie by far Mm -hmm. and there's some great little details like when he uses the nanotech iron spider suit and then takes it off when approaching the car i saw this on a behind the scenes video his suit is deliberately wrinkled like Mm. he's wearing like the blazer like that suit yeah yeah when he takes the nanotech off his, his clothing is wrinkled Stuff like that. Uh, oh, I kind of love that. And things like his spider sense going off. Because I like that they sort of nerf his spider sense in these movies. Because there's an issue that comes up in the Raimi, the Raimi movies and the web movies to an extent. Which is that how is any villain supposed to get a hit in on Spider-Man if he's not heavily distracted or basically backed into a corner like there's a lot of moments in spider-man 1 2 3 and amazing spider-man where peter just gets hit from behind or something and you think how did he not sense that and i don't care like that's not a huge problem for me but the way that uh no way or the way that the home trilogy handles that in saying that it's you know it's powerful but it's not foolproof and it's not <laughs> like busted is uh is interesting because then you don't have that issue and then you can you can believe that it's not just a unconscious thing he has to focus and and look for something and i think that's uh that's represented so well in the scene where he everyone's in the apartment and he's like wait a minute there's something wrong here and he yeah looks at, that's uh, very good norman that's probably the best scene in the movie or the coolest scene in the movie in my opinion and then of course when he's talking to the other spider-man it's it's quite good i really like the ending yeah, I love seeing Spider-Man uh, doing awful 
I love these broke as fuck again. <laughs> He's no friends, no loved ones. Everyone he knows is either dead or forgot about him. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, it's good, good, good movie. Yeah, we already talked about this recently in the uh, MC episode. Not many of my thoughts have changed. Yeah, I, I just think that I I've come off the nostalgia high, which is if we're gonna rank this, I would say it's above No Way Home, not above the first Spider Man for me. Yeah. Yeah, just because I think if you remove the Toby and Andrew stuff from it, which maybe it's not fair to do so. It's kind of... I I wouldn't really say it's fair because it is like a crossover. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, actually, you know what? And fuck this movie for cucking Venom. That is... (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This movie got my hopes up because I was like, oh my God, Venom's going to be in there and he's going to help in the final battle. And then he's just in Hawaii or some shit. (laughs) Yeah. All right. You know what? (laughs) F tier. Yeah, we'll put it. We'll put it top of B tier. I'm willing to put an A. Yeah, put it in A. Okay. Uh, and then the last movie on the list, Venom Two, baby. Let there be carnage. What a fucking stellar movie. Took. Okay, so here's the thing. The first Venom was good in the sense that it was very funny at times, but took itself too seriously. And you can agree with that, right, Nick? In in some ways, it took itself a little too seriously. Yeah, it was the very it was a very traditional superhero type movie. Venom Two tosses all of that out the window and purely focuses and just leans into how insane and stupid it is. It does a lot of callbacks to comics and TV, uh, i.e., Carnage hacks a laptop by just sticking his tentacles into it, <laughs> and they play it so straight. <laughs> And just things like, you know, Woody Harrelson is amazing in this movie. Tom Hardy is just so fucking good. And the and the redesign, the Venom redesign is really good. I love it. But, there but was a redesign? Um, basically, they made the white cum lines smaller mm-hmm. and, and less noticeable. And they just changed his face and eye proportions. And so his his head has like minor um, bulges where there should be eyebrows. So just he, he just looks more expressive, mm-hmm. and it, it it does ultimately uh, look a fair bit better. Um, I did see what Carnage looks like in the movie. He looks pretty cool. Carnage looks awesome, and and the CGI in the movie is pretty good, all things considered. And it, it's it's a funny ass movie. The movie basically starts with a scene of them trying to cook breakfast together, and Venom's like singing. Uh, some song while Eddie's like trying to get work done and shit. It's so funny. And he, and just the, uh, I sound like such a child, but the, the image <laughs> of Eddie singing or not Eddie, uh, Venom singing while making breakfast. Like he has all these tentacles. He's got like five frying pans going. He's like, you say either, I say either, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking funny. And then it's, and then they start arguing with each other and it was really, um, it's like, they start arguing, and Eddie's like, "Oh, you keep wanting to eat people. We can't eat people. We're the good guys. We're not supposed to." Eat. I get hungry, and then they fight and they leave. And then Venom possesses Venom is then a fucking goop on the road who possesses this lady. Goes to a rave. He's like, "Who's ready to get in the house?" Uh, and he just parties, and then on the <laughs> microphone is like. And fuck people who don't respect you for who you are and to try and change you. And the crowd's like, yeah. And that's his like redefining moment. That's oh his God. that's his arc of realizing that like he needs Eddie and he loves him. And it's so stupid because um, there's a thing that they introduce in the movie is that there's compatibility. Mm-hmm. And so Venom is compatible with only certain humans. And there is this friendship thing that doesn't really work out. So the reason that Carnage is so powerful and red is I think if I remember correctly, is because uh, Woody Harrelson and the Car- Carnage symbiote are compatible. 
or actually, sorry, it's Woody Harrelson and the Venom symbiote are compatible. And so they become much more powerful. And so the idea that they play is that Eddie and Venom may not be compatible physically, but they're a great team. Mm-hmm. And and so they kind of try to do this like friendship is stronger than being compatible. <laughs> they have um, the power of friendship. Basically. Uh, but it, it's really stupid, but it's so fun. And I... I <sighs> Look, I gave you a lot of a lot of placements here. You gotta let me put Venom two in A tier. <laughs> I fucking love this movie. <laughs> okay, you can have that. I haven't seen it. Could be A tier. I can't disagree. I'd if you tell me, yo, you want to watch Far From Home or Venom two? I'd want to watch Venom two. I'm not gonna put it above that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna say that this this might be one of my favorite superhero movies in a long time, especially because it's so different. It's so stupid and cheesy, and I don't give. I'm gonna get so much shit for this, but it's, oh, it's I love it. <laughs> I can't wait for Venom three. There's gonna be a Venom three. I hope. Oh God, I hope. And yeah, so let's uh, recount our final rankings. I'm gonna be honest. Don't count Venom two. Like, just we're not gonna be serious about that. Um. Like I'm serious. <laughs> also, but, yeah. I guess technically the only Spider-Man movie we haven't seen and isn't on this list is Morbius. But like, who fucking cares? Yeah, fuck that, dude. S tier, or sorry, we'll go D tier. We have Amazing Spider-Man two. Good visuals, not much else. C tier, we have Venom. Decent visuals, decent jokes, but everything else. Better than falls Spider-Man flat. two. Uh, Spider-Man 3 is at the top of C tier where we just have a movie that has a lot of fun and memorable moments, but basically looking at it critically or even looking below the surface just makes the movie fall apart. Then we have B tier where we have The Amazing Spider-Man where the first half of the movie is fantastic, but it falls off pretty hard after that. We have Spider-Man Homecoming, which is, while not reaching the highest of highs compared to, um... The other movies also doesn't reach the lower lows. It just feels like a consistently solid movie. Then there is Far From Home, which upped the stakes from Homecoming in a reasonable way and had a lot of good jokes, a lot of great action scenes. The CGI in these movies wasn't as strong as, say, Amazing Spider-Man 2, but like we said, it's it's good enough. Uh, and then in A tier, we have Venom Let There Be Carnage, best movie ever made. We have <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home, which was genuinely the the biggest cross the biggest crossover of the last decade. It was a great movie for Tom Holland's Peter, and just getting to see the other Spider-Man again were fantastic. Then we have uh, Spider-Man 1, basically the blueprint for every other Spider-Man movie to come out as far as live action goes. Uh, not much else can be said on that front. Spider-Man 2 is at the top of A tier. Uh, a great sequel in terms of uh, how it builds off the themes of the first movie. It's well written. It's well shot. CGI is amazing. There's a lot of practical effects. Probably the best live action Spider-Man movie there is. Not a lot to say as far as downsides. And then you want to go best Spider-Man movie. We have S tier, which is uh, in, 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 Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> Fantastic movie. Art style is not only so well animated, but so well developed. It just look it, for what they were going for. They nailed it. If you want to talk about a movie fulfilling its vision, that that's like this is the epitome. It was funny. It had great action. It had great characters. Great story. Great performances. Basically, no downsides in my opinion. And uh, the soundtrack was fantastic. Oh, uh, last thing I'll say about Venom Two is uh, Venom Two had another Venom song. Um, this time they took a song that was already called Venom by Lil Sims and just used that for the movie, which I think was a better. Uh, option better better than getting Eminem to say venom <laughs> uh and yeah those that's our ranking that's our ranking after 
two hours and ten minutes of recording. That's our fucking ranking. <laughs> I got lo- I got laundry to do. I, I got to get out of here. So uh, if you guys have your rankings, feel free to put it in the comments. Um, I know that's. <laughs> Feel free to elaborate, but I don't want to ask that you do because I feel like we're going to spawn a few essays down there. <laughs> uh, Nick, is there anything you want to say about uh, Spider-Man movies now that we're capping it off? I know we're kind of swiftly exiting, but it's because we have been recording for a long time now. I like Spider-Man movies. I'll always go see them in theaters. And I'm very excited for Across the Spider-Verse, the sequel. Oh, yeah. That, that comes out next year. The first part comes out anyways. Really excited for it. Hope it's good. And uh, that's our rankings of the Spider-Man movies. We'll be back uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks. I know we've slowed down with the upload schedule, but it's just because around the end of the year, uh, Nick and I have just gotten a little bit uh, busier, but we're trying to stay on top of it. And yeah, hopefully we'll see you in a few weeks for another episode. Nick, is there anything else you want to say? None that I can think of. Thank you for listening, everyone. Yeah. Okay, bye.